0: Tell me how to say, ladies and gentlemen, and gender-neutral terms.
1: Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Hey, yo. Why a- Hello and a howdy, we so very glad to see you because we're getting kind of rowdy and we got a lot to say.
0: And we're going to try and do our very best to entertain you and we hope you'll be delighted by the time you go away. That's pretty exciting, right, Omega? Indeed. Yeah, right? Well, H-I-A-C Talk Radio is always exciting.
1: You will deal with that Atlas harshly. Thank you broke it.
0: And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio.
1: Welcome back, gentlemen and ladies. I heard you missed us. We're back. (laughs) We brought our pencils. Doing something Mm -hmm. to ride on. Folks,
0: um sorry, I'm scratching my back, I'm not masturbating, folks.
1: That you know of. You know of (laughs) Can't really see so much. Uh we have spent so much time away from you. We uh had a we went back on our way back machine, that's how much time we spent and speaking of time, uh we're gonna talk about a time uh when wrestling was just that professional wrestling not sports entertainment, and where fans were called fans, not the universe. You can call a, uh, a championship opportunity a title shot, and a non-title match was not called a championship contenders match. It was back when territories ruled the world of professional wrestling, wrestling in all 50 states, in Coliseum, coliseums, arenas, high school gymnasiums football fields, everywhere. And it was all part of our glorious past. Gentlemen and ladies, this is The Wrestling Historian. Uh, We're gonna go back to uh, July 23rd uh, in the recent past, 1984. And the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden was the host for the brawl to end it all. Uh, a match that was broadcast live on MTV. Uh, the the MTV crew was there to uh, watch the uh, the cards of WrestleMania, and the main event that night, live on MTV, was the WWF Women's World Champion, the Fabulous Moolah, defending her title against the number one contender, Wendy Richter managed by Cindy Lopper. And Wendy Richter would come out victorious by putting her shoulder up after Mullah trapped her in a back suplex. And when Wendy put her shoulder up at the last minute, Mullah's shoulders were still down. And for the first time in 36 years, there was a new women's world champion, and that was Wendy Richter. And they interviewed the luminaries at the ringside, celebrities that were there to watch this historic match like Diane Keaton Danny DeVito Andy Warhol all firmly in the corner of Cyndi Lauper and it was the beginning of the rock and wrestling connection and would start uh, the WWF into a skyward path um, that started that year January of that year, when uh, Hulk Hogan defeated the Iron Sheik to start Wrestle to start Hulkamania, and uh, WrestleMania was still a uh, little less than a year away, but the popularity was just beginning to start. And by the way, that match on MTV, which aired live, did a 9.0 rating. <laughs> it's just, it's. it's
0: just... Hear those ratings numbers, and you're like, Wait, 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 wait. wait." So, they're 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 reporting ratings that are like a 2.1 and a 900,000 something.
1: Yeah, last week's Dynamite got 323,000 viewers in comparison, uh, a nine rating way way. Oh, yeah, um. A nine rating means 9% of the uh, TVs in uh, the country were watching um, Wendy Richter and Fabulous Mula. Okay. Yeah. Right then. Just saying that. Okay. (laughs) Uh, On that same day, July 23rd, 1989, in my opinion, I can include this on the Wrestling Historian because to me, this was the greatest Great American Bash card of all time. In 1989, the uh, Great American Bash pay-per-view in Baltimore. Um, uh, two rings were set up, but still the matches there were uh, incredible. Um, some standouts. Uh, the Skyscrapers defeated the Dynamic Dudes. Uh, that wasn't the match, but the fact that the the ovation that Sid got every time he walked in the ring was uh, Im- totally noticeable and something you can see coming from a mile off that this was the beginning of a huge career for Sid. Uh, it'll also be uh, Sting's first match against the Great Muda um, for the NWA TV Championship. Uh, Gary Hart managing the Great Muda, Eddie Gilbert in the corner of Sting. Um, <laughs> and my favorite war games, this is the best war games. I'd ever seen, and I've seen all the war games involving the Road Warriors and Dusty uh, against the Horsemen. But uh, the Samoan SWAT team and the fabulous Freebirds of Michael Hayes, Terry Gordy, and Jimmy Garvin went up against Dr. Death, Steve Williams, the Road Warriors, and the Midnight Express, my two favorite tag teams of all time. Jesus teamed up with Dr. Death, Steve Williams to go up against the Freebirds and the Samoan SWAT team. Jim Cornette and Paul Ellering on one side against Paul E. Dangerously on the other side. Uh, one of the great highlights was Steve Dr. Death Williams press slamming Terry Gordy over his head and his back hitting the roof of the cage eight times before slamming him. Absolutely incredible. Uh, But that wasn't even the main event. The main event was the comeback match between Ric Flair getting his revenge against Terry Funk. Uh, The attack by Muda afterwards and the save by Sting uh, would culminate their feud a couple months later in Halloween Havoc. That would culminate, that would also be the first match ever seen by one Dan Calachico. But uh, the feud was started July twenty third, nineteen eighty nine, at the Great American Bash. My opinion's still the best Great American Bash of all time. Nineteen
0: eighty nine. Nineteen eighty nine. Nineteen eighty nine. Uh, <laughs> man, I don't. You know, I remember. You know, uh, Great American Bash into the late nineties, early two thousand, still being touted as like a premier WCW event. When I'm like, man, they really haven't been good since. I'll argue 90. Yeah. For selfish reasons, but. You can argue it. Yeah. I, like 98 was all right. It was fun to watch Wolfpack Sting, uh, Scorpion Death drop Giant from the top rope. But other than that, I'm like, eh, you know.
1: You know. You know. It's
0: just, you yeah, know. Nah. Yeah. You don't know. <laughs> uh, July 25th,
1: 1993. And uh, of all places, Alexandria Bay, New York. During sure, a uh, been there. <laughs> TV taping of Monday Night Raw. Uh, hell froze over because I'm watching this. Uh, Vince McMahon and Bobby the brain heated on commentary when Bobby. All of a sudden is flabbergasted, dumbstruck, gobsmacked, leaves the announce table. when Vince McMahon said, what's going on, Bobby? He didn't seem to recognize someone making his way towards the ring. Clad in his pink jacket, bright red shirt, and orange tie, Uh, a sight I never thought I'd see, the one, the only Jim Cornette made his debut in the WWE and greeted by Bobby Heenan, a big hug, and Bobby took the mic from Jim and said, no, you let me talk. Let me talk for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I give to you. The greatest manager of all time, Jim Cornette. And Jim Cornette tells the story, said, Thank God they were shooting me above the waist because they would not have seen (laughs) the the chubby that I had. And he he gave it right back to Bobby. He said, Bobby, if I'm the greatest of all time, it's only because you've retired. And um, I
0: passed whatever Jim Cornette has become as far as i like your smile when i said that <laughs> he is a a a a uh, the only other historian uh, is wrestling better than him is you there uh thank you but as far as having a museum he over he he basically runs the museum and is converted again the, the memorabilia he has you and i will never touch no, but as far as the manager, if Bobby Heenan is telling you that, the other arguments are invalid. Yeah, it's like David Bowie signing off on Arcade Fire. Well, I don't really like Arcade Fire. That's wonderful news. Yeah, uh, but that guy considered one of the greatest said it's it they they're good and and goodbye. <laughs> That's the end of the conversation.
1: Dan, getting off topic just for a little bit. Did you see the letter that Anthony Hopkins wrote to? Uh Brian Cranston? No. Anthony Hopkins, um, one of great actors of all time, obviously. Yeah, uh, has time on his hands. So he binged Breaking Bad. And he wrote a letter to Brian Cranston saying that you that was the finest acting job I have ever seen. And you, sir, are an immaculate artist, and not just you, Aaron Paul, and we seahorn He went down the list, and Brian Norris, and you're in cast You're just absolutely incredible. And he's I just wanted to say thank you, sir. I I enjoy you are a master of the crap. And Brian Cranston's like, have the like, you uh, yeah. <laughs> the what yeah. now? Me? <laughs> <laughs> Me? Yeah. So, but the uh, Anthony Hopkins is saying this. So, Brian Cranston, you're. You're, your, you're that your guy. Other your other argument. It, well, I think this person's better. That's great, but yeah, did did, he, did Anthony Hopkins? Hopkins yeah.
0: So I don't give a shit what you yeah. have to
1: say. Sorry. Did Anthony uh, Hopkins write you a letter?
0: No? no, no, I don't think so. It's like uh, I always used to argue people that the South Park guys were not good. Uh, uh it, again, off topic. Uh, the comparisons can keep going down the list. Uh, but Trey Parker and Matt Stone uh wrote shitty musicals. And I'm like, uh, they received a letter from Stephen Sondheim saying it was the greatest American musical written in the 20th century, yeah. late 20th century. The rest of the argument's are invalid. I'm sorry. I don't make the rules. I don't yeah. make the rules. Um, yeah, and another thing um, uh, about cornet is it started about six, seven, eight years of some of the funniest stories of frustration i've ever heard uh yeah from getting bucky beaver to the drive-through wendy's that is egged on by jim Cornette. and well that's smoky mountain but he was you know running smoky mountain at the same time that's why they had the talent trade-off to yeah. what became ovw's high point mm-hmm. and 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 subsequent fall
1: yeah yeah uh thanks jim yeah he give us a lot and even his first time on commentary <laughs> when uh after his time with Bobby in the ring and he sat down and sat next to Vince, he goes, "Oh man, McMahon, I've been a- I've been meaning to ask you this for years. Now i finally say it, what's the deal with your hair? And Vince goes, don't I don't know, Earl shop did hair.
0: <laughs> Just It's like when uh, Paul E joined WWF for all when he was still yeah. running E C W. Yeah, and, and I forgot the line, but it just, it just like you hear Jim Ross go, "Oh, god damn it!" It's like, <laughs> yeah, we're off to the races. Right. Anyway, Jim Cornette
1: and Bobby, Bobby and uh, Bobby, uh, Jim making his WWF debut, July twenty fifth, nineteen ninety three, July twenty sixth. I only put this in there because this is my personal memory, and because it was a, an important time. It was a an amazing feat when I saw it, but it's important time now in professional wrestling. But July 26, 1980, Dan, I was at the Spectrum, the, the air conditioned Philadelphia Spectrum, um, to watch um not even the main event on the undercard uh, of the current feud. Uh and I got to see on July 26, 1980. And the beautiful air condition filled up your spectrum during a match with Andre the Giant. Hulk Hogan body slammed Andre the Giant in the spectrum. Wait, July, July 26, 1980. You mean it
0: happened before? No.
1: Yes. Yeah. I saw it live. Uh and seven years before. Yeah. To be continued though. But that that's first time I but I saw it. And I was like, wow, that's a big deal. But we didn't know how big a deal until many years later. But July 26, 1980, in Philadelphia, Hulk Hogan yeah. body slammed Under the Giant during a house get show. Rid of him. July 28th, this was all over social media. Even Jerry Lawler, the king, uh, tweeted this because it is the July 28th was the 40th anniversary of Jerry Lawler's first, last, and only appearance on the David Letterman show. (laughs) Uh, 40 years ago, uh, this year, July twenty eighth, 1982, taped at 5 o'clock in the afternoon in New York. Studios of 30 Rock, Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler meeting again for the first time since their April 5th match at the Mid-South Coliseum. Broke his neck. Um, and it's on, that's your your homework assignment. Um, if you haven't already seen it, go to YouTube, Jerry Lawler, Andy Kaufman on the David Letterman show. They went through three segments and, um, they talked about the, they talked about the match. It said, uh, your match was in April, Danny. Yeah. And it's now August and you're still wearing the brace because, and Jerry or it's like, yeah, I know guys that been in car wrecks and they hadn't been in this. Like, I don't know if it's a neck brace or a flea collar, but the good natured bantering and, and back and forth. Uh, but to let everyone know that it was all a work. Uh, Annie Kaufman even talked to, to, uh, and you know your father can attest to this. Dan, uh, called in Uh, Annie Kaufman called Jerry the night before, talk about what they're gonna do on the segment and. Andy said to Jerry, it would be cool if you slugged me. Not punch, not slap, but if you slugged me, like an old, like the 1940s. It's supposed
0: to be an apology. This is supposed to be the end of it.
1: The original plan that David Letterman and his crew had uh, posed to Andy and Jerry is that Andy would uh, apologize to Jerry for all the wrestling, all the women he wrestled. Jerry would apologize to Andy for hurting him. And then they would go over to uh, the stage and Paul Schaefer would lead them in a duet of what the world needs now is love, sweet love, and that would end the segment. It did not happen. Didn't happen. Nope. Andy held up his end. He apologized to Jerry, and Jerry Lawler did not accept the apology. And uh David Letterman, consummate professional, uh trying to keep order and keep safe, and it said, you know, Andy. You know, he didn't. We didn't egg you into this, and you know, uh, if, Jerry. Did you want to hurt him? And Jerry's like, yeah. Uh, well, I thought I had to hurt him, uh, because he's doing. He's making fun of what I do for a living. Because you know what, I I could have sued you, you know, but that's not the kind of man I am. What kind of guy are you? Kind of guy? And then the the music started playing, and Jerry knew right then they weren't going to come back for a, another segment, so. In a sense, that would be over. Uh, and their whole feud would be over. It would just be swept under the rug. So Jerry got up as Paul started to play. And as they were going, he looked down at Andy. And Andy looked at him. And Jerry Lawler slapped Andy Kaufman, not even as hard as he could, out of his chair as they went to commercial.
0: Hey, man, if, he, if that wasn't as hard as he could, you could have fucking killed me.
1: In the movie, Man on the Moon that, that Jerry Jim Lauder Carey. wrote with Jim Carrey and Jim Carrey was a complete and utter asshole the whole time in character as Andy Kaufman getting on Jerry Lawler's nerve, acting like Andy Kaufman was acting towards Jerry and Jerry Lauder, you had to, to tell Jim Carrey, Andy and I were friends. That was an act he was playing, but Andy, but Jim Carrey was being Andy Kaufman antagonistic to Jerry Lawler so much so that when it came time to shoot that scene, with David Letterman, they had to recreate it. Jerry Lawler said, "I hit him way. I hit Jim Carrey ten times as hard as I hit Andy Kaufman, and I liked Andy Kaufman. I couldn't stand <laughs> Jim
0: Carrey." Uh, and to tack on to what you said, real quick about you mentioned my dad. Um, you know, for thirty years or more. You know, he doesn't understand wrestling. He doesn't understand, what's a TV show? And You know, I always bring up the point, it's all a TV show. You watch TV shows, too. It's a TV show, Dad. You know, like, how are you not getting it? And then I just remember a conversation two years ago, and sitting, we were just sitting at his dining room table talking about it again. About, you know, and I got into an in-depth conversation about kayfabe and explained to him, work shoot, heel face, written writers, bookers. And... To put it succinctly, I said, Hey, remember uh uh Letterman and Lawler? Uh, uh the Letterman show where Lawler smacked uh uh Andy Kaufman and he goes, Yeah, it was cause he really broke his neck in a wrestling match. I was like, Yeah, Dad, that was the work. <laughs> and you hear you see him go, Oh. Oh, oh. there. That's exactly yeah. you bought it. You thought for the last 42 years <laughs> That was legit 40 years that that was real And that, that man actually broke Some actor's neck and didn't get sued Off this warped planet Yeah And then he got slapped on the letterman That was all They were in on it And yeah. it just kind of that light bulb went chick, chick. Oh Got it so thank you Lawler And uh, not for the for the young girls That no they but thank you, Lawler and Kaufman. Uh, uh because just watching Letterman
1: Yeah. And then they I- just
0: get cursing. By will fucking fucking piece of shit. I'll fucking sue you. You I think he just kind of daintily throws the coffee. <laughs> just and then
1: every time he pounded on the desk, you can see J- David Letterman jump. Every time. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it caused a great deal of uh, embarrassment for David Letterman because he considered Andy Kaufman a friend and Letterman didn't have a lot of friends. He's a severe introvert. Um, and he felt embarrassed because he wasn't in on it or that he felt used by Andy Kaufman to further this wrestling angle. And for up until uh, David Letterman's last show on CBS, almost uh, 30 years later, that was the only episode of the David Letterman show that was never reran, because Letterman wanted nothing more to do with it, and he always considered it an embarrassment. Um, but what That's was embarrassment to David Letterman was an incredible boon to professional wrestling. Um, Jerry Lawler would, didn't become a national star, but uh, more people saw Jerry Lawler as be, on Dave, David Letterman than he had ever seen him. During all of his years of wrestling in uh, in Memphis, he was on the, the cover of the New York Times um and uh really gave professional wrestling a shot in the arm three years before celebrities will make their debut at WrestleMania 1. Uh Jerry Lawler and Andy Kaufman uh, were the first wrestler celebrity feud uh, and made national headlines 40 years ago, this year, July 28th, 1982. Uh, I mentioned in an earlier uh, episode of HIAC Talk Radio about the a documentaries that are airing Sunday nights on a and about WWE legends and biographies, and uh, one of them, the most interesting to me, was the Kurt Angle biography because I had no idea uh, the the life he had before he became a professional wrestler and. What an incredible amateur wrestler he was! Olympic gold medalists don't grow on trees. If you're out of eight million people, you're the very best at what you do.
0: There's not an Olympic gold medalist tree growing somewhere.
1: No, there's not. Oh. But on July thirty first, nineteen ninety six, something would happen to Kurt Angle that would define his career, redefine his career over and over again. And then when you watch an AE biography, you realize how often it happened to him. Um, But July 31st, 1996 in Atlanta, Georgia for the Olympic trials against Iranian Addis Jadidi, who was the uh, reigning world champion. It was in that match where Kurt uh, was being taken over and he didn't want to fall on his back because he would, that would cost him a point. So he went forward he tried to put his head out to stop and he landed headfirst, and that was the first time Kurt Angle broke his neck, and would, he would go on to win the Olympic gold medal with that broken freaking neck, but that one hit fractured two vertebrae, herniated two discs, and pulled four muscles in his neck, uh, and that was the beginning of his neck issues and when you see the AE biography you'll see the other times that Kurt Angle broke his neck uh, but because of this break that happened July 31st 1996 it made him further susceptible to neck injuries and it' hard because when you look at Kurt Angle especially the neck of uh, a rhinoceros just really but the first time he broke his neck, July 31st, 1996, during the Olympic trials against Iranian Addis Jadidi. And folks, watch the AE biography on Kurt Angle. That guy mm-hmm. needs, that should have been three hours. And Kurt Angle's life, uh, way before he even got to professional wrestling, is something, a story that you need to watch. Yeah. a Fascinating individual. Um, August 2nd. 1992 30 year anniversary also that was commemorated on social media uh even though he was already a part of professional wrestling history it definitely deserves to be celebrated especially now that it's 30 years later um and august 3rd august 2nd 1992 was the debut the wcw debut of jake snake roberts um and jim ross uh Framed it perfectly. What? That's Jack. He doesn't even wrestle here. He attacked Sting, gave him two DDTs. Son of a bitch. Pulled out a gold cross and dropped it on Sting and would later say, well, Sting, that's your cross to bear. But those double DDTs on Sting meant that Sting couldn't wrestle for the World Heavyweight Championship that night against current champion Big Van Vader. So a new number one contender had to be found. Names were drawn out and the winner was of the number one contender drawing would be the former Florida State Seminole, Ron Simmons. And later on that night, August 2nd, 1992, 30 years ago, Ron Simmons would become the first African-American black (laughs) WCW heavyweight champion of the world. And I enjoyed watching that on social media replayed over and over again, guy in the blue shirt we talked about him. I guess we talk about him every year. We talk and about him I, every
0: year. The guy <laughs> that makes it six rows down in about two seconds, dude, never touched the stairs <laughs> right to and the front the, of that row,
1: man. I'm the referee counted to three. He was on the front guard rail, jumping up and down like on a trampoline and the crowd, um, went crazy, and I will still say it to this day, especially now more than ever, you don't see crowds like that Ooh. anymore, but it, reacting like that to a title win like that anymore, jumping up and down, screaming the elation, and you can say that the rest was pouring in to congratulate Ron and lifting him up. Um, could have been worked, could have been, they could have been told, oh, but nah. whether it was or not, uh, the genuine emotion that we saw was absolutely incredible. And to a guy like Ron Simmons, who, um, and no plans on being a professional wrestler was wanted to be a football player. He's in the college football hall of fame. He was third in the Heisman trophy voting that year as a defensive tackle, defensive tackles don't win Heisman trophies, let alone come in third. That's how good Ron Simmons was, uh, uh, in Florida State. His jersey retired uh, a year after he left. Um, and he made a name for himself. Worked hard. And uh, not only just be, being one of the legitimate tough guys in professional wrestling. One of the nicest guys uh, that anyone ever has ever met. And was the first uh, recognized World Heavyweight Champion um, of uh, African-American descent. Would open the door for future Black World Champions, like Booker T, uh, like The Rock, Kobe Kingston, Big E, Bobby Lashley, uh, all owe a debt to the great Ron Simmons. Um, and if I could sum his title reign up or even his career in one word, it'd be this. 30 years ago, Ron, happy anniversary to you. Uh what's next? Did I go? Over there? Uh yeah, I'm I'm sorry. Um I don't
0: know, but you only you say you only have 10 minutes left, so I don't know what you're gonna do. Oh, oh I'm gonna
1: I'm gonna wrap this up in fine fashion, sir. Oh because we're gonna excited. we're gonna go to August 9th, 1980. Showdown at Shea 36,295 paid to see uh showdown at Shea uh, you had Greg Gagne from the AWA uh, wrestled uh, Rick McGraw on the undercard. Uh, the WWF Junior Heavyweight Champion Tetsumi Fujinami defeated Shavo Carrero Sr. Flew all the way from Los Angeles to wrestle on the uh, Shea Stadium card. Uh, Bob Backlund and pa- Bob Backlund, the current WWF Heavyweight Champion, up with Pedro Morales, to defeat the Wild Samoans, offensica. For the WWF Tag Team Championship. And Bob relinquished the belt. Because he was already the EO World Tag Team Championship. But the, that was the first time the Simones had ever been defeated. For the WWF Tag Team Championship. Did it in two falls. Um, Bruno San Martino defeated Larry Zabisco in a cage match. To end their feud. And Andre the Giant defeated Hulk Hogan. By disqualification. But not before... Hulk Hogan slammed Andre the Giant. What, brother? Brother, yes, brother. Now I'd already seen that happen two weeks earlier, brother. But here it was in Shea Stadium in a big stage and it was nationally televised, while well, it was recorded for TV and shown on later reruns. But that was the first time a lot of people on, saw Andre the Giant body slammed on television. But August 9th, nineteen eighty, showdown at Shea. Um, also, that date, August 9th, 1986, in St. Louis, Ric Flair would defeat Dusty Rhodes to regain the NWA championship during the Great American Bash in St. Louis, Missouri. Uh, Dusty had won it five days earlier for his third and final time, but this would be Rick's fifth NWA championship he would regain from Dusty Rhodes. And August 9th will always be the uh, day Uh, that I will remember, that I will relive on uh, as we're recording this August 9th uh, 1999 the debut of the Millennium Man and the single in my opinion greatest debut in WWE history the countdown clock was on the rock in the ring the lights would go down the pyro would go mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. and it'd be the first time we heard the word break the walls down the debut of the millennium man chris jericho august 9th 1999
0: i will never never not mention that that was uh, uh, and you know the early days of the internet mm-hmm. and not understanding all of the other bullshit that was going on at the time, but that is the first time uh, I personally really, that I remember switched from, even when Mick won the title I didn't switch from that Nitro but when that Millennium Clock was winding down, I'm like, oh, it's gonna be okay, uh, 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 it's gonna be at the top of the hour, okay, I'm gonna watch that or whatever time it was that I switched over and when it was Jericho, I was like Uh oh uh-oh uh-oh and again we're talking about this is the night of pops as you say yeah uh we were just talking about the ron simmons one man i man i just uh, that rivaled even steve austin's at the time
1: yeah and the amount of signs was, like you said, the internet was in its infancy. So a lot of people already knew that Jericho was going to debut. And hey, the apparently. signs already made up. <laughs> uh, and I knew it too, but I just didn't know how. Uh, but the way they did it was absolutely incredible. Um, still is, again, my favorite entrance debut of any w, any wrestler ever. Um, August 9th, 1999. Absolutely incredible. Break the broke the walls down Chris Jericho oh that's the last time you were great probably um but yeah, that was oh, August 9th I heard he was pretty great on January 6th you know we we'll ask his wife mm. uh on August 10th <laughs> 1977 uh outside of my it being my 11th birthday we went down to Tampa Florida on the Don't uh, hate under, yourself in here on the undercard... um we would see uh, Brian Blair would lose to a guy making his pro wrestling debut named Terry Boulder. So August 10th, 1977 was the, rest, was the debut of Hulk Hogan. Uh, First wrestling match ever for Mr. Hulk Hogan.
0: I did not know that.
1: Yeah. I, I uh, Last year I, I sent you the uh, did I send oh. you the program? yes yeah, she did yes she did yeah, she did. Yep. yeah. but uh, yeah on the first match uh, b brian so the, yeah that b brian blair was the first opponent for hulk hogan in his That's first funny. match ever august 10th 1977 thanks a lot Blair. <laughs> uh august 13th another great debut another big debut dan I know you are watching, and it still resonates with wrestling fans, true wrestling fans, uh, throughout the ages. Because, um, and this is coming up on 30 years, but it was 29 years ago. It's still hard to believe it was that long ago. The August 13th, uh, 1993 Daytona Beach Clash of Champions.
0: Uh,
1: Sting, the tag team of Sting and Ric Flair would defeat the Awesome Kongs, Awesome and King. That there was an Awesome Kong before. Um, Karma. Tia Stevens yes. before Karma. Uh, they got to see Vader pin. Uh, Davy Boy Smith. But the Clash of Champions at Daytona Beach on August thirteenth, nineteen ninety three. Dan is only known for one thing because it didn't even matter that it was you saw the return of the Road Warriors on that show. Uh, or Sting teaming up with uh Ric Flair. But August thirteenth, nineteen ninety three, folks. Was the debut, uh, and his birthday? His he's got the same birthday as mine. This is three days after his birthday, August 10th, uh, with Fred Ottoman's birthday. But August 13th, though, will be the debut of the Shockmaster.
0: I think that was Uncle Fred.
1: It's <laughs> almost 30 years. It was August 1993.
0: Uh, three, three years. I can still here Bulldog on he fell flat on his arse and he didn't fall flat on his you ass he fell flat on he his he fell face. forward but I can only imagine the influence that uh Mr. Bulldog was under but anyway
1: it wasn't even him Dan it was when they made the breakaway they kept the board there that he tripped over they didn't remove it because he was supposed to break through that's and it. walk through but they kept the board there so that's what he tripped on <laughs> yeah, he told him, it was like David Crockett
0: was trying to sabotage me. And I was I was laughing so hard they had to take me the back. They thought they had to bring me to the hospital. And I was gonna have to go to the back. And, and he just puts his head helmet down on the table, looks at me, and I'm just laughing. And he goes, I fucked this up, didn't I? <laughs> Man. Yeah. I... And I'm glad I I I'm happy for Fred because uh Fred Ottman, Uncle Fred. As he, just Cody turns around, and goes. I think that was Uncle Fred. It was <laughs> Uncle Fred. But I like that it didn't completely ruin his life. Yeah, because it was pretty short order. That was, like, we're laughing with you, not at. Well, like, we're laughing at you, but now we're laughing with you. It's pretty funny yeah. to the point where he's made appearances well into his, uh, well into the late, uh, well into the 21st century on Raw and other shows. Mm-hmm. uh referencing that I had a great reference with triple uh with the x uh on their reunion farewell tour uh with uh it wasn't Oli, but with Arn making the appearance yeah good stuff Shockmaster. good stuff shock master we and then sting oh god sting is a goddamn saint uh <laughs> no pun intended because the shit that he had to work with like i know we're like why was sting why do you care about sting the shit Sting had to work with. Not only was he friends with Lex
1: Luger, and that's mm-hmm. for another. That's HMP. Okay, yeah, HMP, yeah,
0: yeah, that's HMP. But the Black Scorpion, yeah, uh, the the uh, heel Sting in the ninety in ninety nine, uh, and then he had to. Our partner is going to shock you because our partner is none other than. The shot, and he had to put that over, and I'm just like, oh, it didn't occur to me till Kelly says we were watching another list that he made. And this thing, and Kelly looks at me, yes, yeah, thing looks at me and goes, "Woo!" No, and <laughs> Kelly to me is like, man, the shit we had to work, and I'm like, right, yeah, Mr. Steve Ward. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, uh, when you see the Lex Luger documentary, you'll know how how right you are when those statements, sir. Yeah. Um. I yeah, I hate him, <laughs> uh, which brings and us. I don't
0: hate him, I loathe him. And how well, his hand in the... do they touch on Elizabeth at all dying? Oh, for... of course, yes, you take any responsibility. For...
1: Yeah, well, I'll let you watch the documentary, and everyone who's already seen the documentary knows the answer to that. So, but... I'm
0: gonna because I might have a rant when we come back.
1: Uh, I'm looking, for, I'm here for it. <laughs> OK, that answered my question here for it. Yeah, Good, sorry. End the show. I'm sorry. That's OK. Um, <laughs> ended on August 16th, um, little did we know how big this date would would be in another wrestling company. We
0: all knew because uh, it was my birthday, my birth.
1: Uh, <laughs> well, on this very day, August 16th, um, and you know. not only was a oh, a man of greatness born, but uh, August 16th, 1960,
0: Bill Collins was born in January. Yeah. <laughs>
1: uh Pat O'Connor was the uh reigning uh NWA heavyweight champion um in uh May of nineteen sixty and he was given ninety days to defend it against the number one contender or be stripped. Uh and uh for reasons that uh probably too luminous to get into right now, he didn't want to defend it against this particular contender. Uh and so he was stripped of the title. So because um The match never happened. Uh, The number one contender was awarded the championship, uh, but it wasn't recognized by the NWA. So it was the first champion of this new upstart company called the American Wrestling Association. So because of Pat O'Connor's refusal to wrestle the then number one contender, Vern Gagne became the very first AWA heavyweight champion. The first of 10 times... That Vern Gagne would be the AWA champion. And I will point out of of his 10 title reigns, only seven of them came in the ring. Three of them, they were awarded to him just like this. this is before he owned the company. Uh, But the AWA championship and Vern Gagne would be synonymous because the times that he kept it on himself, the times that he awarded it to himself, the times when he wouldn't award it to someone else that was making tons of money and was indeed the most popular wrestler in the United States, namely one Hulk Hogan, um, would come to bite Mr. Gagne in the ass. Uh, and though we've maligned him, and well, we should many times on this very podcast, what he did as champion in the AWA and the formula that he had, his grade eight formula is one that's been copied by every major wrestling promoter and booker for the last 40 years because it works. does it work. Or in Ghana, you had a system in the AWA. You keep your top four guys undefeated. You keep your, your next four guys, your second four guys undefeated unless they're beaten by the top four guys. And you feed your entire roster to those eight men. And you make champions that way. You push people that way. And it was so successful that in 1984, two of his guys in his grade eight, the Crusher and Baron von Raschke, were the AWA tag team champions well into their 50s. And they would lose those belts to the Road Warriors. And it was still a competitive match because of Ganya's formula of putting these two guys in their late 50s, had been in the grade eight and beaten guys. And only lost to the top four guys, and they were the AWA tag team champions. But the beginning of the Varangania dynasty happened on your birthday, sir, on this date, August 16th, the greatest date in human history.
0: Great. So I'm the reason Elvis died and the AWA was made.
1: Yep. Yeah, great.
0: Congratulations, what sir. year was that again?
1: <laughs> August 6th, 1960. And uh, Elvis is uh, was uh 1977. yeah. However, right.
0: Madonna was born so
1: yes, and it a week after my eleventh birthday, we say goodbye to to Elvis. But we said hello to one Dan Daniel Calachico.
0: Dan Daniel
1: Calachico. It's how like
0: Roddy the Piper was born. <laughs> Dan Dan Kalachico. Dan, Dan Dan. Danny Dan Dan Dan. Never trust any. Yeah, Danny Dan Dan, Dan Danson Danison. <laughs> Well, with that being said, well, oh, we have to close it out. And that, my friends.
1: And that, gentlemen and ladies, is The Wrestling Historian. And you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and on Twitter, at Craig Ligon, G E O N S. I was having
0: trouble with the uh, camera, so I put on a virtual background, so it looks like the entire time, for those who are watching live, that we're sitting at a cafe. Or in a kitchen. Ooh, I oh, gotta get one of those bottles behind it yeah working really well right man yeah. uh i'm at there's <laughs> something fucking nerd. uh i'm at danlaw83 on all social media platforms and of course as i announced last episode the url is back h-i-a-c talkradio.com if you're at your computer or your smartphone and you don't like podcast apps, which okay that's weird uh, go to HICtalkradio.com or, like I said, on your podcast app, Spotify, Amazon Music, Apple, or, 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 or whatever it's called now, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, go you your fucking iPhone or Android, uh, type in talk Network and subscribe, subscribe, follow. I'm going to stop talking. It should. We're done. It's been a long day. I'll see you later. Keep it on the paper. Goodbye, Craig. Goodbye, everyone. I'll okay. see you later. Oh, no.